check the mic and make sure it sound right, boy. Yo, welcome everyone to episode 84 of Pump Fix and Hot Takes. This is your host, Chizzy, coming at you in studio today. We've got the guys as usual, Vinu and Noble. Vino, how you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Chilling. Everything, as I, as I always start with my Knicks, we're doing good. We, we're doing good. We're not doing amazing, but we're doing good, which I'm happy with. Um, unfortunately, uh, on a little bit of a downer, it seems like I'm not going to be going to, to LA next month, which is unfortunate. But, mm. yeah, no, nothing like that. I just, Visa won't be able to get sorted in time, things like that. So it's going to be another time, but hey. England's weather is is usually lovely in uh, in February. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Hey, we have a good time though. Anyway, nice man. Nobs, how you doing, bro? This man talking to me about weather, bro. <laughs> I got up. I woke up today. I heard a little bit of wind. I went outside. And I promise you, I put my hand outside my balcony just because in England, you can't trust your eyes. <laughs> it can look like there's nothing, but you have to feel. So I felt it and it was dry. Then I went downstairs. I took Milo, my dog, who's a child, very, very fluffy. And I took him and I went outside. Tell me why when I stepped, my first foot hit the outside. I felt a drop on my nose. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know what? Not so bad. Let's ride through this. I was like, he's just going to be a quick 10 minute thing in and out. Let's just go get him, let him pee, and I'll be back. Why is it that five minutes into my walk, bro, I get caught in a torrential rain? So remember, <laughs> about 15 minutes ago, yeah, there's nothing out there. It is like clear, like literally just, just wind. And now I'm in torrential rain with my child. Guess what I'm wearing? I am wearing a fucking hoodie, bro. Do you understand how thick them shits are? I was drenched within two minutes. Milo was drenched too. We were, we was looking at each other like what, like what, like what do you want me to do? What <laughs> he was looking at me like we should go home. Like oh, you think I can run in this? No. But yeah, um, yeah, that's how I'm doing. Yeah, that's how I'm doing. Yo, if I'm if you want, you could come switch weathers with me, bro. It's uh, there was there was a snowstorm for two whole days. Um. I'll send you guys photos, but it, it, it was it started snowing on Thursday, and I, we actually had to, to take the day work from home. It didn't stop until yesterday at like nine p.m. So outside, hey, couldn't really, did you just hear this man say that? Did, did you just hear this man say that our weather gives gives us time off work? Exactly, and he's complaining. Exactly, bro, dog. Yeah, except that the car is now stuck in the snow, and I can't I can't even move anywhere. Bro, hey, yo, that car was not going you nowhere. Have, you should have got a 4x4, four four, bro. You should have got a 4x4. Four four. You know which weather you live yes. in. I, I, I saw a guy um, yesterday try to pull out of the of the driveway yes, um, in the evening. And it was an SUV. And this guy's car is just like sliding all over the place. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. And this is just the driveway. We're not even talking about the actual road. I thought they were prepared <laughs> for this kind of weather in Canada, bro. I thought they were prepared. Yo, but uh, when no, you have no, snowstorms no. like this where it's just like, as you're, as you're moving the snow, more snow is just pouring on. Like, you're, no one is fast enough to, to remove all that snow unless you're the flash. But here yeah. we are talking about talking about the weather for almost three minutes. Um, <laughs> this is a basketball podcast, not a fucking news network. How you doing, Chizzy? How was your How was your week, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I uh, was just chilling, made some food yesterday. Someone's coming back into town this afternoon, hey. so it was 
so hey, yo. we're vibing we're so, relaxing hey so your girl's coming back from an international trip mm-hmm. uh, you wanna say bae I missed you here's some rice here's, exactly man that's the African way of doing it how, how else am I supposed to show you love without rice exactly okay, fair enough okay. man fair enough this man got his priorities right <laughs> okay okay I'm happy for you Thanks, bro. Hey, I'm happy. At least, uh, I mean, single. Uh, well, I'm the only single person of this pod. Fuck both of y'all, bro. <laughs> <laughs> bro, every oh, everyone man. has their own journey. Mm. Yeah, every, everyone's everyone is on their own journey. Um, there's a lot of stuff to to kind of get to today. So today's episode, actually, we're just going to this is going to be our mid season awards episode. Um, so obviously we are over 43 games into the season at this point um, for most teams. So we're past the, the halfway point. So we can kind of look back at the first half of the season, see who have been our, our top performers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in different categories. And we're going to make our picks here um, for all of the major awards. So uh, most improved player, um, most valuable player, six man of the year, coach of the year, um, rookie of the year, that kind of stuff. Um, so... We might as well just kind of jump into it because there is quite a bit to get to. We'll start off with with our biggest award, and I feel like I pretty much know where this uh, where this first one is going. Um, and we're talking about the MVP. Um, we've had this conversation multiple times over the course of the year. Um, I'm pretty sure I, I know where you guys stand on this, but just for the sake of, of the conversation, we'll, we'll we'll start with you, Noble. I see you've already you've already got the the mic team up. <laughs> is Luca MVP? Yes. Oh, yes. oh wait! Uh, now before that, before that, <laughs> I, I want to take a step back and see if, as grown ass men, yeah, we can come to a conclusion. Okay. What is the definition of an of an MVP? Who is an MVP? What is an MVP to Boulder? So I need you guys to give me your definitions of the MVP, and then I'm gonna see. Honestly, I feel like my my definition of an MVP it could it. It's variable. It changes from year to year. And it's, here, here's why. Here's why. Because some years, some years, it's literally the guy, like, best player on the best, best team. Like, the two, the, the two years that Steph won it, that, that was literally, like, he was the best player on the best team. And he was, he, what he was doing was amazing. Um, it could also be the guy who is, like, carrying the, the most weight, which is kind of the, the most... Um, I feel like that's where most of the MVPs kind of end up. Whereas, like, the guy who is just pulling a team that's trash and, like, getting them to a point where they, sh- they otherwise wouldn't be. So we've seen that with Westbrook. We've seen that with um, Jokic past few years. Um, and I think we're seeing that with Luka. So I feel like those are kind of the two different ways that sometimes I look at um, at MVP. But then there's other factors that kind of go into it as well, like... Obviously, the the team like your team success plays a, a bit of a factor in there. So if you're like an eleventh seed, I won't consider you in like, like as an MVP candidate. Um, things like that. Um, if your team is just too stacked, for example, like the Warriors with KD, like none of those players are getting an MVP from me just because team is too good. So fuck you. Um, so yeah. It, it it kind of varies. I God don't think damn. I have like one definition and that's that. <laughs> that was the longest, least decisive, least conclusive answer I've ever heard in my life to anything. You're welcome. Man welcome. basically said vibes. <laughs> I do it based on vibes. Yeah, exactly. It changes from season to season, bro. 
<laughs> should, should I give my answer? I wake up and whatever the wind tells me is where we go. Exactly. All right, Vina, can we hear your definition, please? I have, I have, I don't have one set in stone, but it's not like Chizzy. I have, oh! no, 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 it's not like you, Chizzy. Oh! After all the smoke you was not, doing, you really can't It's be not like, yeah. hey, look at this. He he's making, smoke, so, much, this he's making so much noise here. because he doesn't want me to say facts. <laughs> yeah. You're smelling very Cuban right now, bro. Listen, all I'm saying is, mm. there. actually, I only have one, but there are some exceptions, which is what I think you mean as well, in a, in a less kind of vague sense. So... My my definition of an MVP is the most valuable player. It is different. Oh, wow. No, no, no. It is different from the best player in the league. It's the best player. Sorry, the player who's best at making their team better. So, as compared to their individual team, because Giannis might not be the MVP on, let's say, LeBron's Cavs, right? He might not be the MVP on that team. But on the Bucks, with that unit... The, what he's able to do with that team in the role that he's in, he's the MVP. So, for me, it is the best player, sorry, the player best at making their team better. And that usually is a player like uh, Luka Doncic, for me, who's surrounded by a bad team. And not just this season, but last season and before as well, he elevates them significantly. So that's my definition of an MVP. Now, the exceptions I'm talking about is what Chizzy means, like when Steph is there. For example, in that season, I don't think there's any doubt that LeBron was the most valuable player. Without LeBron, that Cavs team collapsed, especially when Kyrie went. Or, or, or Houston with... The, or, sorry, yeah. or James Harden exactly, with James Harden with Houston. That type of stuff. Things like that. But Steph's team was just so good, and you know that the heights that they hit, they can't do it without Steph. Steph is what makes that team tick. And they're so good. So it is kind of like the player best at making their team better. The only difference is sometimes we look down on that guy because even if he wasn't on that team, they'd still be a playoff team. They'd still be four seed. But they wouldn't be 73-9 and nine without Steph. So because of that, he's the MVP. Even though he wasn't carrying the most load, he allowed his team to reach such astronomical heights that they wouldn't be able to do without him. So he was MVP. So, so that's an exception where... So Okay, okay, so it sounds like I'm getting a formula from y'all, right? Seems like the formula seems to be load carried versus distance covered. Essentially, yeah. Something like Something that. Something like yes. that, yeah. Right? Okay, see, I'm glad y'all really spelt it out like that because then, with that being said, your kitch is my MVP. What? <laughs> I love it. Yo. I love it. Yo. All I'm going to say, all I'm going to say... <laughs> All I'm going to say, Nikola Jokic. Bro, I don't blame you one bit. Go on, I want to hear your reasoning. Hey, yo, like, see, the, like this is tough for me, first of all. It, this is really tough for me. Because, and, wow, because this, you don't understand how much this changes my mentality. Because, like, I was of one straight mind of Luka... And then a 1B of KD, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, that was my mm -hmm. 1A and 1B. Because I know Jokic's value and everything. And I know what he does. But then I had to stop myself and really, like, redefine, like, try to define that word MVP again. Which is why I had you all help me. Because then, going by your definition, load carried versus distance covered. Simply, right? Mm -hmm. Jokic has had to carry the offensive burden for Denver. Without him, 
Aaron Gordon, let me just use Gordon as an example. Oh. Gordon is a 15 or 17 point per game scorer. When Jokic was out, this nigga went down to about 7 or 8 points per game. Mm-hmm. He went yeah. from Mr. Dunk on everybody and their baby to I'm not sure I can do this left-hand layer, boss. Literally. So he's such an integral part. Do you know he leads the NBA this season in plus minus, plus three, three, two. He's not even close. Mm-hmm. There's no, the next yeah. man is not close. I don't think there's anyone in the plus 300s. So um, Jokic, he's, he's uh, value to Denver is unspeakable. And now the reason why I had to come and put him above, there's only one reason why I put him also above um, Luka Doncic. Because on Crafted, Crafted Raptor 538, all the stats um, websites, they calculate the best. I, I just typed in who's the best player in the NBA. Just look up what stats they would show out and give to me. And they have a bunch of ratings, right? So they have like best offensive rating, the best offensive rate, um, best offensive rating, best shooter, best win, share, some, something like that. I don't know, like some a bunch of different stats that Luka and Jokic were all on. Mm-hmm. But there was one stat that Luka was not on that Jokic was on. And that's what's best defensive players. Yeah. 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 It's not saying he's the best. No, no that's yeah, not what we're trying to say. But he's right there in the conversation with the best defensive players in terms of defensive plus minus box scores and all that. He has a he has an overall Raptors rating of fourteen point seven. Now if we strip away the defense part the distance between him and Luca, I think Luca's above him. I think he has an offensive rating of about nine point seven, and Luca has about ten point eight, something like that. But then when you bring the defense in, Luca has a defensive rating of minus zero point eight, minus zero point eight, and he has a defensive rating of about five point something. So that's when the distance comes in, and he's fourteen. So he's over. So that according to Raptor, he's overall impact in the NBA. It's giving him a score of fourteen point seven. Luca is next at nine point. Nine point, let's call it nine point five, something like that. The guy after that is about eight point eight. Like, do you see the distance between yeah. him and the rest of the mm-hmm. league in terms of in terms of impact? Mm-hmm. Anyhow, you want to look at it, box score plus minus, um, actual impact on the game. His numbers are crazy across the board. So, um, I think yeah, has to be Jokic for me. And let's not forget he has Denver sitting pretty in first place. Mm-hmm. Jamal Murray has been looking like he's giving Jamal Murray the perfect environment to come back from an injury into because it's like it's not too much pressure on him because he can still hold all that load and let him come back as he as he's supposed to without forcing and forcing the issue that that's why he's so good right now so i'm saying Jokic affects the game Luka affects the game on every offensive level literally there is no defense like there's no defensive scheme he can try to draw up for that guy if it's going in the whole world just has to watch him do his show but I think Jokic affects it maybe not as flashily as Luka definitely not as flashily as Luka but almost just as much as Luka does on the offensive end and then as you bring in that defense yeah it's a wrap bro I'm sorry he's my MVP right now and it hurts me to say this. It hurts me so much to say this. I, I, like if you if you haven't been listening to the past like four or five episodes of the show, um, you wouldn't understand how much surprise I'm in right now. Uh, because when when the Mavs were in eleventh place, and I was like, I'm not a hundred percent sure that Luca is my MVP. You almost killed me, Noble. Yeah. <laughs> So for yeah. them to be sitting in fifth place right now, and then you're telling me someone else is the MVP, I'm like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? But 
seven and three over the last ten too, bro. But I just gotta give credit where credit is due. We can't hold it back from the big man. I think he he needs to repeat. Vino, um, I know you you also had uh, Jokic listed on as your MVP. Do you have other reasons why why he's your MVP, or do you feel like Noble kind of covered it? Well, for me, I had actually four players in my in my final finalists for the MVP. Um, and your surprise is gonna grow, Chizzy, because uh, I was I was on the Luca hype train for a long time, and as it stands, I've got Luca, I've got KD. Actually, let me scratch that. No, let me not scratch that. I did have five, but I took Yanis off. So I'd like to give honourable mentions to Yanis and Embiid because I think they're both having great seasons, Embiid as well, but his team is just not good enough. He's not making enough of an impact individually because James Harden's doing his thing as well. And with Yanis, I feel like there is a bit of voter fatigue with Yanis. I'm not going to lie because he is up there, but he's not having as good of a season as he has in the past. Not by a lot, but... It's it's not enough to be in the MVP race this year. It's, it's a it's a very tight race up at the top, and I've got Jason Tatum, I've got KD, Jokic, and Doncic. Now, I want to take Jason Tatum out first because I think he slowed down a little bit. He is sixth in the league in win shares and ninth in offensive win shares, but he was a lot higher to the top in those rankings earlier in the season, so he has slowed down. And um, as it stands, I think as Noble said. The, the way the other guys are carrying their team right now is just another level. So Jason Tatum has a 25 PER, which is player efficiency rating for those who don't know. And it's quite an important stat to kind of sum up the entirety of your impact. And you look at another guy like a, a KD, who's got a 27 PER. These are guys who are carrying their teams, no doubt, and they're making massive impacts. But... Jokic and Doncic just stand alone. Jokic's PER is 32 and Doncic is 31. Doncic has uh, eight win shares this like per game this season and um, sorry eight win shares this season and uh, Jokic has what is it 8.4. It's a really tight race here. They're very close in all these all of these advanced stats. Um, Noble, everyone, uh, every kind of statistician they calculate their 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 offensive rating and everything differently and they they put it in different numbers so yours were coming up in like under 10 uh i'm using basketball yeah, yeah, yeah i'm using basketball reference in this one so it's it's in the hundreds and the offensive rating for for nikola jokic is it, it's not he's number one in offensive rating and i think the stat you were mentioning noble is uh defensive win shares which jokic sits uh 11th in You'd never think that he's 11th in the league in defensive win shares, but he is. And he's, he's also right there with Doncic in value over replacement player, which just describes how basically good you are compared to when you're off the court. And 4.5, 4.6 for, for Doncic, 4.7, sorry, 4.7 for Doncic, 4.6 for, for Jokic. I'm reeling off stats here, basically just to outline. It's really, it's really damn tight between the two of these guys. They're both carrying their teams but the difference does lie as Noble said in the overall game uh, of Nikola Jokic and this last week where he's had two triple doubles and one game where he had nine assists holding him back from a triple double uh, it just made me look into his stats more and I think it might have been something similar for Noble and I just looked into his stats more and I just looked it's just he's first in offensive win shares Nikola Jokic not not Doncic in offensive win shares Jokic is first 
He's first in overall win shares, and he's fourth in effective field goal percentage all around the league. And I know he's a big man, but he doesn't take shots like a big man. He takes mid-rangers, he takes threes, and he's still fourth in effective field goal percentage. We'll get into other players who are doing great in effective field goal percentage, because another one of them is, is a guy like a Nick Claxton, who makes almost every bucket, but all he does is dunk. Jokic isn't that far off from him. The guy is he's crazy efficient. He's averaging, what's he averaging this season? 25, 11, and 9.7. I can't call it 10 because that's a triple-double, but you know what I mean. And he's, he's right there, and he's shooting 50, what, 62% from the field. Almost 40% from three at center. And his team is first with a record of, what, 29 and 13. That's only one and a half games or two games behind from the Celtics, who had a crazy hot start. This guy, if, if they're... As Noble said, I'm actually quite happy that you said at the start to define MVP. Because if that's our definition of MVP, then it's clear. It's clear it's Jokic. It can't be anyone else. Yeah. <clears throat> See, I, I, was, I, I was leaning, I was leaning um, Luca for the longest. Well, <laughs> before, since, 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 since he, he, like he climbed into the, into the playoff, uh, playoff picture... I felt like like this was Luca's MVP, and I think he could still very like you, to you guys' point, he could still win this. Like it's it, it's that tight of a race. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the season were to end today, which is what we're what we're doing with the mid-season award, yep. we're not predicting what's going to happen at the end of the season. If the season were to end right now, man, yo, like it'd be tough to not allow Jokic to to three beat with this thing. Yeah. Yeah, like the NBA probably wouldn't let it happen, like just because the only I think the only person who ever, who has ever three peated um, MVPs is, is Jordan, if he even did that. Yeah, Jordan did do but, that. He won three, and then I think he won another three in a row. Win him, win him, play baseball. Yeah. So it's like you guys, you guys have made all the points with the stats. So I'm not like there's no point in going over all of them <laughs> again. But it's just I, I do have um, Jokic. Um, Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Michael Porter Jr. in in my fantasy. So to, noble to your point of like when when Jokic is on, those two guys they just fucking ball out. Any game that Jokic misses, like I might as well like just bench those two guys because they just absolutely just shit the bed, and feels like, and I guess Luca also does have that same effect on on the on the Mavs, which is which is why this thing is so close. Whereas, like, the moment those guys go to the bench or the moment they miss a game, their team just forgets how to play basketball. And it's just, like, and that's what makes it so close. But then the thing is, with, with, um, with Jokic, he's, even while his team, like, is doing that, he's able to push them into the number one seed. Whereas Luca, as much as he is carrying, he's carrying them to the number five seed, which is freaking amazing when you look at what kind of talent he has around him. But, man, yeah, I, I, I yeah. Can I can I just say my thoughts on that? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think the the difference is the depth, and what I mean by the depth is these are obviously two very insanely smart individuals. Mm. But if I was going to look at the way I look at their game, I would say look at the depth of their game. I feel like maybe Luca is playing. Luca could be thinking of this possession or the next possession or the one after that. 
But I think Jokic is think, thinking of the whole game. And again, my best, the best way to introduce this is to literally look at Jokic's stats through the first month of the NBA. If you look at it, he had reduced start, stats across the board. He wasn't going off across the board, literally. And the reason for that was because he took a back step to allow Jamal Murray to take more shots, to, to get into the floor, get into the rhythm of the game. It was obvious in games that people were looking at it and wondering why the Jokic, who just won an MVP, isn't being as impactful. When MPJ came, when MPJ came, came back from his um, back injury, I think was it the first or second play of the game? Jokic set it up for him where he got an easy three-point look. I think it's just the small nuances of the game. Luka knows how to create opportunities for his teammates, but it almost doesn't feel like that was the wrong play. Like It, it, it feels like he tried to do something, and then he saw the guy who just got open off of something that he did, and then he's feeding it to the guy. Jokic is going to run the play because he wants that guy open. He wants that guy to get the shot, if you get what I mean. Mm, yeah. Um I might be completely wrong on this, but just watching the eye test, looking at the games, um, it just feels like maybe Luka, um, sorry, Jokic thinks one step ahead of Luka and just regards and like the, whole, the whole... Maybe even a step too. It's not even like a full-on, like, in my opinion. Like, it's just like, it's so close between those two guys. Yeah. So freaking close. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I just think that yeah, I think it, but again, I think maybe that's a little bit of the maturity thing again, True. because I mean, the older you are, the more, I mean, first of all, just the more that you've, the, the more chances you've had to acquire knowledge and the more chances you've had to apply knowledge and then just the, you're just smarter with more age. So I think maybe that's also a, th- a thing counting maybe a little bit against Luca because you're, you're right, two very insanely talented people, but that, that to me is maybe why we see that difference in their game. Yeah, it, it it's definitely. I, th- I think at this point in the season that there is st- at least looking forward at the at the rest of the season. It, it these two guys are definitely um, neck and neck, and everyone else is still like there's still a chance for them to catch up. Obviously, because we still have half the season to go. Um, yeah, exactly. But so far, like these two guys, I think are are the two kind of main contenders for this MVP, and. I think the the only reason why Jokic isn't sticking in my head as a like a true MVP, like as the true MVP at the end of the season is just because I don't think the voters are going to let it happen. Uh, but th- that's that's a whole conspiracy theory that I have going on in my head. So the Matrix really, is against um, him. Yeah, I think exactly. Larry Bird was the last one to three peat. So um, yeah. so the, been a yeah, while, bro. It, it, the white man can do it. Yeah. There's this there's a system that's going against him. Uh, LeBron should have more MVPs. Kobe should have more MVPs. LeBron should. You know what? You know what? Can I just mention? Kobe should have more MVPs yeah. for sure. LeBron should have two to three times the MVPs he has. He was the best player in this damn league for 15 years straight. Yeah, I digress. It's, it, it 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 was ridiculous at some point, but. Um, Four MVPs in 15 years is ridiculous. This <laughs> how yeah, it's, it's it really a farce. Is. It really is the the level. It really became like okay, so who's the next? Wasn't yeah. like it yeah, was we like, know okay, what LeBron's LeBron, doing. But then like yeah. who who else exactly. is having a really good season? like when KD when KD was when KD won his one solitary MVP and did nothing in the playoffs. Yeah, even then that's when we said, oh, is KD almost at LeBron's level? But no, it was only until LeBron started coming down that we ever even considered anyone being above him. 
people, when when Steph was going off and it was the Warriors era, even then people were a bit like, yeah, we don't want to say Steph is first. It wasn't even, it wasn't like a unanimous decision there as well. People were very split. And that's the greatness of a Steph Curry. Guys who in any other generation might be the best player of that generation, but not with LeBron. So it's a farce, but let's move on, man. My, let's let's yeah. move on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's move on. Um, I think next award that we can uh, we should look into defensive player of the year. Now this is an award we haven't really discussed too too much going into the season. We did have a conversation about it at the start of the year, but um, the defensive player award is also is, is always a difficult one to um, to kind of gauge at the start of the season, just because you don't know who um, who is even going to to kind of put their name in the hat and what players are going to um, try to make that stamp um, defensively. Uh, but with half the season gone, um, you know, obviously we can see the standards. We can see what, what players are are putting in that effort defensively. Um, Vinu, we'll start with you here. Who do you have as your defensive player of the year halfway through the season? Mm-hmm. Again, I'd like to um, I'd like to tell you just the four finalists that I had quickly. So I had Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, I had Nick Claxton. I had Brooke Lopez, mm-hmm. and I had Stephen Adams. So they're all centers or power forwards. Um, the first one I eliminated was Jaron Jackson Jr., who a lot of people, I think, have as their defensive player of the year. And I've seen online a lot of people uh, saying saying he's the defensive player of the year. He's averaging seven rebounds, a steal, and three blocks a game. Um, Memphis is second in, in the league as well, sorry, in their conference. So it's it's hard to argue that he should be in the conversation with those defensive stats. But there's a guy on his own team uh, who I think outshines him defensively, and that's Steven Adams. He's he's averaging twelve rebounds. He's only got a steal and a block, which is why a lot of casual fans don't don't think he's he's one of the defensive player of the year. But if you watch him play, he controls he controls that team's defense. People are scared to go in the paint. They don't want to be around Stephen Adams. And it's been years we've known we've known this about him, but he's he's leveled it up. Before he used to average seven rebounds a game. Now he's averaging twelve rebounds a game in very similar minutes. And I don't think I don't think people give him enough credit for the jump he's made defensively as well. Because Noble, you'll know this better than anyone else. In his OKC days, there was nothing stopping him from averaging 12 rebounds a game. Nothing at all. He was there playing the minutes. Uh, and he was averaging... Are you mad? No, no, no. He was... There's a league, there was a league MVP that's trying fine. to gobble up... Right, that's <laughs> fine, that's fine. But there's, there's players on his team averaging similar numbers of rebounds as well as KD was at that time. And Russ was at that time. No. Yeah. Oh, and, I was talking about Russ, Westbrook. Yeah, yeah, but Russ, at the time when Westbrook was gobbling up those rebounds, everyone else on your, on your team was averaging about two. So... The, even the Memphis Grizzlies right now, you look at their their lineup, everyone's averaging a healthy number of rebounds. It's not like he's taking all the boards in the game, but he's just leveled up his game. He's pushing people off on defense. He's stronger, bigger, and he's... It's, this is peak Steven Adams that we've seen. Um, I just want to say Nick Claxton as well is doing great. He's got eight rebounds a game, a steal, and three blocks as well. He's actually second in the league in defensive rating. Um, and Brooke Lopez is averaging similar numbers, but... I want to eliminate him just because the the Bucks aren't quite as good as they were last season. I know uh, Middleton has to do with that, and also he's only tenth in the league in defensive rating. Only I say, but yeah, he's he's tenth in the league. So the two guys for me, I know it's a long-winded answer, but I couldn't really decide uh, between these two. I found it really tough between Nick Claxton and Stephen Adams because their teams are both second in their conference. Uh, they're both. Very similar records, 28 and 13 for the Grizzlies, 27 and 14 for the for the Nets. They play the same position. They have a very similar impact on the game. 
Steven Adams is first in defensive rating at 106.1 by my metric, and uh, Nick Claxton is second with 106.7. Uh, but I'm going to go with the guy who's second in defensive rating, and I'm going to give it to Nick Claxton, just because the guy's also gobbling up three boards a game. He's going crazy. So, shouts to the young guy, Nick Claxton. I think at this stage, he is Defensive Player of the Year. He's a big reason as to why the Nets are surging right now. What the fuck was that? Yo, I swear this man was going left all the way to the <laughs> end of this thing and just took a shot right. <laughs> <laughs> I gave a whole monologue. He made me really Yo. believe in Stephen Adams. Yes, bro. I was like, I was looking up Stephen Adams stats over here. Like, I was like, shit. And next thing he's like, oh, I'm gonna give this to the class. Yeah, pass <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know what? I was so close. I, I'll be honest. I'll be a hundred percent honest. Your guys' reaction is want to make me change it because at the start of what I said, it was Stephen Adams, but then. It changed for me. It changed for me. <laughs> it changed for me. Do you know what? I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm going to give a joint award here to, to Stephen Adams and Nick Claxton. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. I've said Nick Claxton. Yeah. But Stephen Adams is my very, very close runners-up. Very close runners-up. Nobs, do you agree with that or are you going a different direction with it? You know what? Yeah. For the sake of the audience, I'm not gonna give you guys four names <laughs> and then have your try and then titillate you guys at the end. That was a good show. I ain't, I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. It was a good show Appreciate though. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies have the best defensive rating right now in the NBA with mm-hmm. a one hundred nine point seven rating. The Bucks are third with a one ten point five rating, but the Bucks have basically been one to three or one to two even, more or less, for most of the season. Um, I'm guessing they must have had a crazy outpouring in some recent games that made them drop down to three. So in my mind, it comes down to Brook Lopez and as much love as I I really love the fact that Stephen Adams is getting love because that nigga, like, I love that man. He's such a a nice person. Mm -hmm. He deserves any award that he can get. But I think that... um, on his team, Jaron Jackson, probably. It, this is tough to say. Like it's really hard with the Memphis team because yeah, you know, you know, we talk about Stephen Adams. Yes, the Stephen Adams defensive rating, Jaron Jackson's um, blocks per game or whatever. Dylan Brooks is actually the best defender of that team. Mm-hmm. He has he takes the toughest assignments and sometimes and he has like a crazy plus minus. I think um, they're like, is it plus? They're minus 153 without him or something like that, plus 50 with him or minus 50 with him. I don't know, some some crazy stat like that. So um, just because of how muddled it is in, on that team, there isn't a real clear forward person. I, I'm not going to go with a defensive player from that team. Shout out to all of them. I'm not trying to put them. But I'm just saying when I look at them and I look at Brook Lopez, Lopez, I can see it's crazy like it's crazy first of all that we're saying this about Brook Lopez it is insanely it was insane to me I think I heard it for the first time I think in week four or week five of the NBA season and I really thought that the person was joking like I thought it was a prank like someone they said that yeah Lopez is gonna be he look at Lopez defensive player of the year candidate I thought this man was just unshackling a fool that's why he said that that he's he's making fun of him but Lopez is 
he has a league leading. If we take out Jaron Jackson, he has a league leading 2.9 to 3.1 blocks. I'm not sure it always deviates. Um, he um, he's on the best. He's on the third best, third best or second best defensive team. Um, they have they hold opponents down to about 100 and. 108 over the last I, I'm discounting the last about two to three weeks they were holding players down to about 109.5 points per game so if you're telling me that that team has been the best over the whole season up until like the last three weeks and Brooke Lopez has been the best defensive player on that team affecting players not just at the rim but also at the three-point line. I'm not saying he's just guarding people coming to the rim. He is stopping shooters from shooting. Their their numbers have gone down when he's the one that they're shooting against. So um, it's gone down from 42% to 30 I don't like dropping stats. I like to tell the story more than the stats, but I feel like some people out there really love stats. So every now and again, I'll, I'm a pepper him in. But I think just looking at that, taking all those into consideration, um, I've seen how much time Jaron Jackson hasn't had this season or how much playing time he's had, rather. I just have to go with Brook Lopez because I think he's been an anchor. It's been a, he's been an absolute anchor for Milwaukee. You guys, you guys both make great points. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going a completely di- a different direction from, from both of you. And <laughs> Vinu, you actually mentioned... Sorry about that. You actually mentioned the guy who I have as my defensive player of the year. Um, and that is Jaron Jackson Jr. And yes, I think part of it, though, is I do want to give, I do want to give a, a huge shout out to him because he, he's always been a, a really good shot blocker. Um, like from his, his rookie year, 1.4 blocks. The following year, 1.6. Then 1.6, 2.3, now 3.2. So he, he keeps... He keeps getting better and better at, at blocking shots. But what was holding him back the past few years has been fouls. He is very, very prone to get into foul trouble because he wants to contest everything. The moment he sees you about to go up for a shot, like he just gets way too excited. So you can give him a pump fake. He's up in the air. You get that bump and you can get the end one. And this year, this is the, actually the first year in his career where his um, fouls per game number is actually going down. Um, so he's increasing his like how much he's blocking shots, but he's reducing his fouls. So he's he's being more careful. Um, and on, on the on the kind of team defense front, one of the reasons why this Memphis team is so difficult to guard or, or is so difficult to score on rather is because of how they're able to play defense because of Jaron Jackson. So normally, our most teams run a lot of pick and roll sets. We we see that across the league. And you want to try to get your perimeter player, your guard, going against a big man. Well, if that big man is Jaron Jackson Jr., your guard is going to have a, a really hard time trying to get past him because he is really good on the perimeter as well. So not only is he blocking shots at the rim, you can bring him out to the three-point line and put a guard in front of him, and he'll stay, he'll stay with that guard five, six, seven, eight dribbles, make life living hell for you and force you to pass that thing off, go back to the rim and then block a shot. And when you see guys doing that, like there's, there's very, very, very few players in the league that can do that at such a high level, playing against you know high level guards, and then you put them at the rim, and they can still hang with your Jokic's, your Embiid's, your big bodies. They can still block shots. Um, like that is very, very, very rare to see. 
Um, as you said, Noble, it is pretty muddled over there in in um, in Memphis because of the amount of really good defensive players that they have. So it's difficult to like pinpoint one guy and be like he is the only re- like he is like the the main or the only person on that team. Um, but to me, like just looking at all the different things that he does and all the different aspects that he covers, like it's difficult to name an individual defender right now in the league that does everything that he does to at such a high level. Um, so to me, that's do why you, I go Jaron Jackson Jr. right now. Do you know why I just have to discount him? He's missed 16 games. So yeah. I think if I'm following your logic, you said if the season was ending today, mm. right? Yeah. That's what you said. Yeah. So if the season was ending today, he ain't getting nothing from me because he hasn't played enough. What? Like, That's don't get me wrong. If we project this to the end of the season, 100%, Jaron. JJJ is my guy. But he's done 25 games. This other people have put 41 games in. Yeah, I don't is, think Brook Lopez has missed a game this season. That, that is a very... A very fair and how many games has he missed? Sorry, 16? Yeah. 16. Yeah, so it's... It, we, you said we're, what, 43 games, 41 games into the season, roughly? 43 games, actually. Sorry, his team has played 41, but... Um, yeah, yeah 16, it depends on the 16. team. So we can call it... We're, we can call it we're basically straight up halfway through the season, more or less. Yeah. So that's more yeah. or less... That's more or less the equivalent to uh, the final race being only have played 50 games and have missed 32. It's the equivalent to that. So mirroring what you get, what Noble said... If this was like a final season MVP and we extrapolate the data, he's only played 50 games and he's missed 32. Would we give him an MVP then? No. That's the only reason I want to disagree with you as well. But uh, other than that, the the reasons you gave Chizzy, bro, I'm not going to lie, are starting to convert me slightly yeah. just because the versatility of him on the wing and everything is is very valuable. So, 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 so to get this right, yeah. So let's get this right. This man went forward and then he was looking at Steven Adams on the left side <laughs> then this nigga took a right at Claxton and then said you know what yeah let's do a 360 180 and then go back and turn over to JJJ realistically uh, realistically in all of these turns that I've taken I want to deeply apologize to the viewers and to my co-hosts <laughs> yeah, deeply my final answer for defensive player of the year is Steven Adams <laughs> no, for real. No, for real. For real. For real. For all the reasons I gave. For all damn. the reasons I gave. I'm no. sorry. For, oh, yo, I, go get, come get him, bro. I told so, you. So take this back. I, I, I told you. I came into this I one indecisive. This. I came into this one indecisive, but I'm going to go. I'm, hey, yo, this indecisive. That's toxic, bro. That's not indecisive. <laughs> you toxic, bro. <laughs> bro, this was my, my first love. Yeah. My first, my first answer, <laughs> Stephen Adams. Yeah. Run it. Oh my days. Oh, this guy. <laughs> at this point, Steven Adams don't even want you, bro. Yeah, yeah, at this point, Steven Adams is like, yo, don't even give me the award, man. Just fucking keep that shit. Oh, man. But let's, let's move on to, to another award. I know we're kind of running uh, running low on time here. Um, so we, we can try to make the next few ones a, a little bit faster. Um, but let's go to the most improved player award. There's, there's, I feel like there's quite a few guys who are um, up and coming for this award. Um, <laughs> but Noble, I know you have a guy in mind. I know there's a guy in your heart right now. He's singing songs to you. He's playing with your heartstrings. Who's your most improved player right now, Noble? Jalen Brunson. 
He always he always stay close, bro. <laughs> this hat always stays within arm's length wherever I am in the world, bro. Okay, see, we got a rap baby. That boy Shay is him. He is H I E E M. Him. Okay. The only songs First he of all, he's gonna... are hymns because he's him. Ex- exactly, bro. You know, you know, you, you got the gospel. I can feel mm. it in you, bro. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, sir. Right, this nigga is gonna. He's going to win his first All Star game. I didn't say he's going to get his first... I say he's going to win his first All-Star game. He's going to win Most Improved Player. Mm. And then we're going to get Victor Wembiyama. That's the storyline of OKC this season. So while all your bummy teams, yeah, go and struggle in mediocrity, that's what we finna do. Good night. <laughs> this guy turned off his mic. <laughs> Vino, who's your, who's, who's your Most Improved Player of the Year? Russell, you better say Shea, bitch. Russell, I take great exception, Noble, to, for my team being called mediocre. Do not bunch me with this bum, yeah, with the Lakers. Please wow. do not bunch me with them, yeah. We are, right, right. We're sixth in our conference. We're strong, 25 and 19, bro. We're no bums. Now, this is another tough one for me. I've actually got seven names this time oh. that I'd like to live. Now, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Yo! <laughs> At this point, he doing it for fun. He's just trying to fuck. Hey, yo. listeners, I want you to understand. He's trying to fuck with that you on purpose. We, yo, we had, this guy was sat there. We we're all ready for the pod, and this guy just kept writing. And he's like, "Yo, I'm done. Just give me I had some additions to make. I had some additions to make. Right. This guy said, "I have seven finalists. I don't. I don't Go actually ahead. have seven finalists. I don't actually have seven finalists. I've got three for this one. So." It's between three guys for me. Shea Laurie. Um, so that's Shea Gilgis Alexander, Laurie Markkinen, and Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. I'm actually... I'm stuck between two. Laurie, honourable mention. Respect to you. He went from 15-6-1 last season to 25-9-2 and the number one player on his franchise this season. Shouts to Laurie. His, his team's doing well as well. Not as well as they had been near the start of the season. Uh, but... Um, but they're, they're 27 and 16 right now. So, they're... Hold on, are they 27? No, they're not 27 and 16 right now. Uh, his team are 22 and 23 right now. Goddamn. So, he's dropped off a little bit since the start of the season. But, hey, still doing well. Um, for me, it's between Shea and Tyrese Halliburton. And Noble, don't, don't hate me for this, man. But it is really, really tight. Because at the end of the day, Shea's doing... What? It's really tight, man. It's really tight. Because Shea was already averaging. It's not It's not the best out of the most improved player shortlist. It's not the best player in the most improved player shortlist. That's not who wins it. It's the biggest gap from last season. Shea was already averaging 25, 5, and 6 last year. Yeah? Very healthy numbers. And he's gone from 25, 5, and 6 to 31, 5, and 6. If you look at it objectively, there's actually a, a six-point six difference in points. His rebounds and assists are the same. Yeah, and then we look at his field goal percentage. He's clearly improved. 45% from field to 50% from the field. 30% from three to 35% from the three. And 81% from the line to 91%. It's big improvements across the board. But it's not as big of an improvement as Tyrese Halliburton has made. Because you know what? Shea was already carrying your team last year. He was carrying the Thunder last year. He's still carrying them. He's a lot better, I agree. But Halliburton 
was a role player last year. Over the whole season, he only averaged 15 points per game, four rebounds and eight assists, yeah? He's increased his assists by two. He's increased his point, points per game by five. He's gone from 15 to 20. So he's averaging 20 points, four rebounds and 10 assists. And this is his second year in the league, right? Third. Third. Oh, fourth. Third? Third year, sorry. Third year in the league. Uh, I think it's the same for Shea or is it Shea's fourth? It's Shea's fourth, isn't it? Shea's fourth or fifth. Yeah. So he's he's a little bit less in the league as well. And the jump in, in stats, I'd say, is very, very similar. It's very similar to Shea. And yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Tyrese Halliburton just because he's gone from uh, a, a guy who's a good player last year, pretty pretty good name was mentioned, to a guy right now who is number eight in win share. Now, granted, Shea is fifth in win shares, but the gap is six point two to five point six, and the improvement that Halliburton shown from last season, I think, is just a little bit bigger than the improvement shown by Shea. Shouts to Shea. But no, no, respectfully, no, I think no, you're a dickhead. No, no, but go on. <laughs> the jump from last season from Tyrese Halliburton is massive. the The way that he's gone from respectfully, I think you should jump off your building. But go on. <laughs> I'm not even trying to hate him, man. For real, shouts to Shay. Like, look, um, Vino, I see your point. I, I absolutely see your point. Like, um, Tyrese is the, he is one of my favorite players to watch right now. And he, he definitely is in the running for for that award, but to me, I've got to give this I've got to give this to Shea. And yes, like they both had very similar increases in in, um, in points per game. For example, um, Tyrese um, jumped um, what five six points, and no five points. And then um, what's his name? Shea had a, a five point a five point jump pretty much, um, or five yeah five point two. But look at that three-point percentage, bro. Shea was shooting 30% from three last year. And he's now shooting 35% from three. Yeah. Like, that's that's a tough jump. Like, you don't see a lot of guys jump that, that high. And then his field goal percentage also, from 45% last year to 50% this year. Like, that is a he's massive He's shooting better while averaging more. That's a massive jump, man. Like, you, typically, no, no, you, you hit it right on the head. Usually you see guys when they when they have that increase in scoring, their efficiency goes down a little bit. To see a guy score more and be more efficient while doing it, that's that is very very difficult to do. And and you fifth know, in the league in scoring, and you five. At, you look at Tyrese, like Tyrese, he, he his numbers are still great, but like for example, his three point percentage is actually down from last year because of how much um, how much more of a low that he's carrying. It's only a few percentage points that, um, lower, so it's not crazy. But it's still it's still reduced because of how much of like he's carrying more of a load now. Whereas Shea no, it's is just because he's not him, and he is still being more efficient while doing it. Um, and like those numbers all across the board, um, he's uh, talk your talk. I'm, pretty mm, sure he's, I'm, he's, I'm loving this cheesy. Go his, on. His free throw um, percentage numbers are up as well, from eighty one percent to ninety one percent. I know, I know. I, me- I mm-hmm. mentioned it. like literally. Everywhere across the board. Let him say, Why, what's your problem, bruv? <laughs> let him talk, let the, the man talk. And yes, I understand I understand what Tyrese is doing. But I'm looking at a guy where literally you can look at almost every single statistic from last year to this year and he has improved or stayed the same. I hear that. Um, one thing, Trizzy, one thing I'll say, there's certain ways he hasn't. Him. There's certain ways he hasn't though. Like for example, you look at Shea and you look at his box plus minus last season. 
Overall plus minus, yeah? He went last season, he was 3.4. This season, he's 6.9, okay? Big improvement. He's making a, a, a big impact on his team, much bigger than last season. And his team is better than last season as well. Even though you're under 500, no, but you shouldn't be 20 and 23. Shea's the reason you're 20 and 23. So you look at that and you say, cool. But then you look at Tyrese Halliburton in the same stat, and last season his plus-minus, both plus-minus was 2.6. He wasn't making a very big impact on his teams. He, even when he was on the court, when he, which was quite a lot of minutes actually, uh, he wasn't making a very big impact on his team. But this season, his box plus-minus is even higher than Shea, 7.3. The jump in impact that he's made on his team from last season to this season, he's increased threefold, while Shea has doubled his impact based on, based on these statistics that we're looking at. The eye test would say Shea because he's going off. Cool, but if you look at their starting but points, how, their starting how much points, of that, how how much of 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 the, um, that stuff that you just mentioned is impacted by his being on a better team? But the Pacers were whack last year. It, he's the reason that it's a better team. Do you get me? He's the reason it's a better it's, team. Him like him, Buddy healed um like uh, Miles Turner rather. Right? I was about to say Evan Turner. Yeah, but Miles, uh, Miles, Miles Turner. Turner was already there, and Buddy healed. I'm sorry, Buddy healed. Who did they lose to get him and Buddy healed? I'm sorry, I forget. I forget. Miles Turner is having his best offensive campaign. And why do you career. think that is? Because he's got a guy who dishes ten assists a game and gets him all the easy buckets that he needs. It's Tyrese Halliburton has transformed this team. I'm saying the impact he's had on this team is unrivaled when it comes to gaps from where you were. Last season, Tyrese Halliburton couldn't have done what he's done this season. If he went on this team, he, he was on this team last disagree, year. Disagree, though. but the, No, no, disagree. Because that's why, again, I need you all to go check the receipts. Because when you said he's going to ball out in Indiana, I'm very fucking sure I thought the same thing, too. Because in Sacramento, before he got traded, he was at some point leading in Rookie of the Year. Like, he was leading in the Rookie of the Year ve- campaign. It was a very weak his... rookie class. I'm not going to lie. It was a very weak rookie class. And he... Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The fact is, he could come in there with all the De'Aaron fuck. Like, Sacramento is supposed to be the death for him because, like, because of how deep they were at the guard sport. At the guard sport. But he got in there. He broke through. And he showed his impact literally almost right off the bat. And that's why when he got traded, one, he was hurt as hell. His teammates were surprised as fuck. Like, nobody saw that coming except from the fucking front office there in Sacramento. Yeah, because he was supposed to be the future. Him and his pairing with De'Aaron Fox, who was really streaky and could be off the ball, was supposed to be a premium thing. So him coming to Indiana and doing all this, I'm not going to lie. You know, it almost sounds like I'm hating on him. I am hating on him, but only because he's being compared to my boy Shea and he's not him. Okay. So that's the only reason why I'm hating. There's no point in this discussion where we're going to have some come out, some kind of agreement or recourse <laughs> that is as, as long as it's not Shay is M- is MIP, I'm not finna I'm not finna hear. You know th- this is how it feels like when I talk to you about your next year. So I want MIP. you to understand that's what it is. Yeah. So here's here's the the one thing I'd say um Vino. This is for me this is what I'm I guess the reason why I'll, I'll rather I give it to um, to Shea over um, Tyrese, and it's because if we're discussing Tyrese from last year, like Tyrese's entire year last year, to what he's doing now, like that impacts the jump feels like it's a lot more. If you compare Tyrese, what Tyrese was doing <laughs> on the Pacers last year, oh, don't bring that up. Don't bring that up. This year. Don't bring that up. I was that hoping jump you didn't know. Does not feel as as big. 
And that's why I asked you the question, what, like, how much of that stat is as a result of better teammates? Because you look at him last, his numbers last year with, with only the Pacers, he was averaging 17.5 points, 9.6 assists on pretty much like very similar numbers across, um, across the board. So it's a, it, it re- realistically, it's a three-point jump and um, 0.8 jump in assists. If you if you're looking at just what he did with the Pacers, <laughs> he's not him. But then you look at um, at um, Shea with OKC both times, and that jump is immaculate. Man. Those stats. There's no hate in Tyrese, bro. I, like, I love Tyrese. Like I, you guys know, I I fucking love Tyrese. He's on my fantasy team too. Um, I fucking love that dude. But for this specific award. Like it's is difficult. Like there's a lot of reasons to give it to Shea, man. Like this, Chizzy, this, man. this award is Shea's to, to win. Chizzy, I, you're sat there. You're you're explaining this this stat to me, and 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 you're thinking that I didn't look at this. I knew this stat. I know you. I know I you knew looked this. At it. That's why I asked you that question. That's why I asked you that question. And what you just be honest? The thing is, that stat me. is a bit damning when it comes to to his impact but he's doing what he those, those stats were in 36 minutes a game last season he's only averaging 33 so if you if his minutes were up this wow. season no 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 no, hold on wow. hold on hold on if we want to go in that kind of detail we can say if we want to equalize the minutes he would there would be a bigger jump there as well but aside from stats i just think that his jump in role as well from last season even last season on the paces yes he was a number one ball handler but he wasn't the guy that he is right now running that team not to the same level last season, but I'm willing to concede. I'm not. I'm not against Shea. I'm happy. I'm happy with. If we were to make a unanimous pump fakes hot takes decision of Shea, I wouldn't be mad at it. But individually, I'm gonna stick with Tyrese. All right. It's okay. Individually, you're a hater. So it's like, I'm not yeah. a hater, bro. I'm, oh, <laughs> fucking hell! Fucking hell! You, because we ain't mentioned your Knicks in one category, we're not gonna hey, mention I w- them in I any want category. You to know. Definition of mediocrity, by the way. I um, want you to um, know, like I, I said, want you to know, on the line, yeah, on on the on the interwebs, I saw several categories where the Knicks were mentioned. Most improved player, Jalen Brunson, was mentioned. Yeah, I want to say defensive player of the year, Mitchell Robinson, was mentioned in that category on several sources on the interwebs. Hey, your, your I, internet don't even believe in you, I bro. Chose, that shit cut it out. I cho- Stop it. I chose, Stop it. I chose. You literally cut it out because your internet don't... Yo, yo, your speaker had to stop you from I saying that. Chose, the, the I chose. The listeners could not hear what you were them. saying. I chose to not mention them. But now that I'm being vilified anyway, I'd like to give honorable <laughs> mentions for most improved player to Jalen Brunson and for defensive player of the year to uh, Mitchell Robinson. And you know what? Fuck this shit. Honorable mention for MVP to Julius Randle. Come on, yeah. Let's go, let's go. Okay. Now to, you want to okay. you want to say that I'm mentioning yeah, my Knicks. To the next category, if I'm going to be hated on for mentioning my Knicks, I might as well mention them. You know? Do, do you see what you've done? I did this. Yeah, I did this. Did this. Um, <clears throat> let's 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 try to to get off this and and move to <laughs> to to a lighter award. <laughs> One that I I think we will we'll have a, a bit more agreement on, and this is the coach of the year. Um, so there, there've been, I mean, there's, I guess there's, there's a bunch of different ways that you could go about this. Um, I, I have a coach in my mind that I think is, is, um, coach of the year, but I'll let you guys go first. Um, we can, we can start with you, Vinu. Who do you have as your coach of the year this year? Uh, I'm going to go for my coach of the year. I'm going to go with, see, I want to go with Joe Mazzula because, 
the Celtics are, are doing doing oh, great. He's, this he's year. on another tri- he's another path. But I'm not gonna he's go. Gonna lead us down this road. I'm not. I'm <laughs> cut off at the end. I'm not gonna go with Joe Mazzulla. I, I also thought about Jacques Vaughn with the with the Brooklyn Nets. My answer to Coach of the Year is a bit left field, and it's actually Willie Green uh, of the New Orleans Pelicans because I think that the way that he's been able to get that team rolling without Brandon Ingram to the level that they're playing, um, I think. It's it's a bit out there. I know there's other other coaches that have achieved more this season, but I think I I think people were expecting them to be good, but I don't think they were expecting them to miss Brandon Ingram for for as long as they 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 did. And I don't think that we were expecting them to be quite this good. So the fact that both of those things have happened, I think is credit to to Taylor uh, to to Willie Green. I almost said Taylor Jenkins, that's the Grizzlies coach. <coughs> Shouts to him as well, but um yeah, I think that wouldn't have happened without Willie Green. So, so shouts to him. I think he's a first or second year head coach as well, if I'm not wrong. So, it's it's quite the achievement. Second year, yeah. Shouts to Willie Green. Nopes. Willie Green, Joe Mazzula. Where are you going? Um, <clears throat> Willie Green, Willie Green, Willie Green, Willie Green, Willie, 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 Willie. Willie. What's good? Is this what we're doing in the pod right now? Willy, 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 Willy. Yeah. Is this? Uh, is this that's what, his is name, this? bro. Is any? Is, is there a problem with me saying a man's name? No, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Exactly. So let me talk about the Willy. Um, shout out to Willy Green. Now, honestly speaking, like the fact that they are winning, I think. I think the most important thing when you're looking at a team is culture. Because culture defines a lot. Culture means that you can have players come in and out, but you're still good because the system is in place. San Antonio has a culture, which is why even though they're still losing, like they're still they're losing like motherfuckers. Why is that? No one's talking. To, have you noticed how no one talks about them for being as shit as they are? Mm-hmm. Because they have a culture in place and they know how they have a plan to get somewhere, basically. They're just going through the rough periods right now. Yeah. Um, that's what Golden State has in place. That's the other side of it. The winning side of it. That's a winning culture installed there. So even if they have players coming and out, like they get into Golden State and they have the best seasons of their careers because of the culture in place. So I think culture goes a very long way when it comes to a team. So what Willie has done has He's instilled a defensive culture in all this offensive-minded guys, mm-hmm. which is crazy. He got these boys to lock in on the defensive end, and that's beautiful to see. So, shout out to him. But um, I'm only giving him his flowers because I'm not going to give him nothing else. Um, so, um, as much as I believe in him and I'm saying, good job, bro, that's not your award. Chill out. Sit down. Um, okay. Again, I think in this one, there is only one winner. And the winner is whoever comes first in the Eastern Conference. Whoever that is, give that guy Coach of the Year. I don't care who it is. Hey, hey. Whoever comes first in the East, that's your Coach of the Year. As as of right now, that's sort of trending towards Joe Mazzula. But, you know, I want to add one more caveat. Whoever wins Coach of the Year, using their record, using the record from when Jack Vaughn was hired... Yeah. Is the coach of the year. See, because since Jack Vaughn was hired, that nigga is 23 and fucking 7. Are you mad? Are you fucking That's mad? Crazy. That is exactly where I was actually going to go, Jack Vaughn. Yeah. Um, like, I, <laughs> Joe Mazzula is, is like, for me, is, is my number two. Um, but I think 
the reason why I have those two guys, first of all, I'll, I'll explain, is obviously the record is, is massive, but the record in spite of turmoil. Like Fact. Both those guys have gone through some shit, especially with Joe Mazzula. He, he started off the season like fully prepared to be an, an assistant coach. And then like two days before, the, um, before training camp started, he got everything, a big job. He was like, boom, now you're head coach. And you've got two days to figure this out and then like start running training camps and all that stuff. Jacques Vaughn was even worse because uh, Steve Nash started off the season as the head coach. Jacques Vaughn was an assistant coach. Um, a few games in, um, Steve Nash gets fired. Jacques Vaughn is put in. And as you said, what, what is that? 20, 26 and 7? 23 and 7? 23 and 7. And those seven wins, sorry, those seven losses came more from the start. Yeah. Not. I think over the last, what, 25 games, they have maybe two or three losses. Like, they, there was a point, I think, a few, uh, a few weeks ago where they had won 12 straight. Yeah. Um, and, like, th- this is a team where, like, like, just looking at what has happened starting from, from the off-season with KD and, and Kyrie both requesting trades and that not working out, both those guys at the beginning of the season seeming like they didn't want to be there, um, the turmoil that was surrounding KD and that article that came out, Kyrie being away from the team for extended periods of time, Ben Simmons being, uh, you know, starting off the season slow. Like, there were so many different factors that this guy, like, had to work with as a first-time head coach. And was able to set this team straight. And now, like, it feels like this team is completely different from the one that started off this season in terms of how much turmoil and headache was going on about this team. And then since he's been put at the helm, like, there hasn't been anything coming out of the Nets camp. It's just been wins. It's just been taking home dubs and, like, everyone else, like, everything is running smooth. And, like, I know that's... Handling turmoil is part of a coach's job that a lot of people don't give um, kind of respect for. But based on what we've seen happen with this team over the past two, three years, and the way he has them playing right now, um, after having taken the job halfway, like uh, during the season, it's difficult for me not to give him um, props for this. Like this, it, 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 it deserves high praise, and the highest praise that you can get as a coach is winning coach of the year. And that's why I go Jacques Vaughn. Exactly. You got to give give that man his credit. I think another thing that it's so easy to see. Yeah, I know winning does a lot for a locker room or whatever. But I want to say that even before the wins were rolling in, you could see that these guys were actually rolling for themselves. You could see, you could see them on the bench. You could see Kyrie talking and laughing with KD. You could see that camaraderie really starting to produce. So, like, you could see the foundation. What I'm saying is the seeds were sown by Jack Vaughn. Mm. And you could see that kind of produce itself in the players. Like, And I told you all that Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons still hasn't come around to who I think he's going to be. So, they still have, they still have, their ceiling hasn't been hit, hasn't been hit yet. So, um, it's a real, like, I'm not going to lie, the next, what, month or two will be a real test of the Nets and Jack Vaughn's. Because we get to see how he, he can make... I, Oh my god, I can't talk today. We get to see the adjustments that he gets to make. Because now without KD, it's going to be all about how can I coach on a game-to-game basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Because your game plan could literally change. If Ben Simmons decides that he's taking a mental day, that's, I mean, you you got to figure out what you're doing. Um, or if Kyrie decides to say just calling him somewhere else, like, you got to do something. So um, I think it, we're really going to see more of him over the next two months. 
And I think if he can get through the next month, if he can get through KD's injury with the comfortable 500 record, he should get that award. Because you've lost your best player and you're still making these adjustments. But then again, um, like I said, I will still give that award to whoever has the most wins from Jack Vaughn's employment by the end of the season. But as of right now, since we're doing the mid-season awards, that's Jack Vaughn. That's Jack Vaughn. So, yeah. yeah. Jack Vaughn and Vinu, you have Willie Green. Um, this The, the final award, the let's, let's try to make this one fast because we are over the hour mark here. Um, and we still have the, the games for this week to, to get into. Um, oh, yeah. We haven't talked about those. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, hold on, um, hold on. Real not, quick not here. final award, though. We've got two left. We've got rookie no, of the year. Rick, rookie in six oh, months. True, 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 true. Yes, my bad. My bad. We've got two awards left. Rookie of the year and six man. So, actually, fuck it. Might as well just combine them. Um, so, you guys rip it off. Who, who's your six man? Who's your, your um, rookie of the year? Nose. We'll start with you. With you. Yeah. Run my boy Westbrook is foul off these flowers, bro. Right, yeah, give him his flowers. I think, I think, I think that in, in the middle of your mediocrity, he's been like one of the few shining spots. And he, the only reason why he's shining, to be fair, is because y'all put him on the bench. Um, if you put him as a starter, I feel like first of all, like even if like if LeBron is injured and he's a starter, he won't have as he will have as just as much impact as he would coming off the bench. But obviously, then people would realize that it's really not that great of an impact. But as of right now... And this is what you call flowers? (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Man, oh, I'll give you your flowers while I shit on you. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm just saying, at the end of the day, uh, it's like, the Lakers are a shit team. This is this yeah. this is some this is some Venus flytraps, bro. If you talk about flowers, yeah, yeah. this is the these are the worst flowers I've ever seen in my entire fucking yeah. life, bro. Oh my god! My god damn! Like, I ask you a question: Who's your sixth man of the year? Who's your rookie of the year? It, it sounded like he asked you. It sounded, it sounded like he asked you, "What is the thing you hate most in life, bro?" That's what it sounded like. The question was. <laughs> God oh. damn. So can you pull it together and give us straight answers, please? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you want straight answers? Yes. Uh, the Lakers are fucking, fucking whack. Fucking made, you, made me, you made me change my mind because I was like, yo, like I thought it was him. But then I started thinking about the team. I was like, yo, you're actually shit, bro. Like, why am I giving him six money? That's a shit team. Bro, they're worse than you. Bro, they're worse so, than OKC, who's meant to be tanking, bro. Yeah, that's what I'm who's saying, bro. Like, tanking, you don't take... Bro. <laughs> hey, yo. You guys are going for Victor, except you guys are just trying to give it to Detroit. But anyways... um. Uh, yeah, that just made me do three sixty. Jordan Poole is gonna grab my six man of the year there award. There we go. There we go. Do you know? Funny enough, um, the one person who actually I would want to give the award to, but I just don't think he has enough stats to back it up yet. He has the stats in terms of um, impact, not but not in terms of raw numbers. Is Derek White? Oh, interesting. Mm. 
Malcolm Brogdon is the obvious choice for a lot of people, but I think Derek White actually has more of an impact on that Boston team that he does. Um, Defensively as well. On that Boston bench that he does, and especially because of his defensive, um, his efficiency on the offensive end, his shot making, his shot selection, and then his awareness on the defensive end. I feel like Derek White is where he's supposed to be on that side of the floor. Malcolm Brogdon is obviously still good. Like, no one's taking anything away from him. I just think that Derek White has a slight edge over him. But in the grand scheme of things, looking at all the impact that about from all these different players, we have to give it to Jordan Poole. I wasn't going to give it to him because of that stretch where... um Actually, yep. So, sorry, sorry. Take that back. I give it to Derek White. If we're going... If we're saying the season is ending today... I have to give that to Derek White. Jordan Poole played too much. He played too much as a starter. Like, Steph was out for like a whole month plus and he was a starter and he balled the fuck out. Like, no one is taking anything away from him. So, I can't give him... I can't give him all of those stats when he was a starter. Exactly. So, like, he's literally had better numbers as a starter as, than he had than he's had as a bench player, which is great for him, but not great for his case as sixth man of the year. So, um, he's less of Derek a White man. is my sixth he's man of the year. He's less of a sixth man than the other guys. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, by the end of the season, I would give that a watch. Oh, yeah. Pool. Oh, yeah. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. By the end of the season, suffice it that Steph stays stays fit. Jordan Poole would have played enough bench bench games. And I think he'll still be averaging yeah. around about 18 points per game probably by the end of it. He'll, he'll be he'll be sixth man of the year. I can't, I can't give it to Derek White, bro. Even though your your point is compelling, I just think... I disagree with you on the point that you think Derek White has more of an impact than Malcolm Brogdon. I think it's the other way around. Uh, and I yeah. think Brogdon just controls that, that second unit when he comes out. Derek White is more of a Marcus Smart off the bench. Um, he fills in Marcus Smart. I'm sorry, is Marcus Smart not the heart of the Boston team, he though? Is, he is, but... Do you not see what I'm trying I, to say? I that understand. is literally why I'm I saying understand. that Brogdon got the stats to back him up, but... Let, let Vino finish. Let, let him finish. Uh, yeah, let him I, I understand that. Um, I understand that he's he's the heart of the defensive side most of all uh, of that bench unit, but the heart of the offensive side is by no no doubt is is um, is uh, fuck me I Brogdon. forgot his name Mal- Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, so the offensive heart of that team is definitely Malcolm Brogdon, and he's not a liability defensively. I think overall, when it comes to the bench mob for the Celtics, I think Brogdon is the guy who, if you took him out of that bench. They would have the they would have a more significant hit than if you took Derek White out. Although, as you say from your point, no one's going to mention Derek White in this conversation other than your ass. But um, I agree. The gap between them, you think that the, you think Derek White has has surpassed Malcolm Brogdon in impact, but I think Brogdon's ahead. But the gap is not big. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Vino on this one. Um, just because. Like looking at the stats alone, like um, Brogdon, Brogdon is ahead. Um, but I think where like the, the difference is in controlling the offense. They're both really good defensive players. Derek White's a little longer, obviously, so you can put him on um, on a bit taller defenders. So on on longer offensive players rather. Um, but Brogdon is no like he's not a chump on defense either. Like he's he will guard that point guard and, and two guard spots like really really well. Um, and he can run your second unit, so you can put him in with with you know a few of your starters, and he'll still be able to get shit done. Like he he more than carries his weight on on, on that offensive end. Whereas for um, and like you look at for example Derek White, he does rely on others to get his shot for the mm-hmm. most part. He is he's reliant on you know 
um, Tatum's and, and even Mark, uh, Brogdon uh, to, a, to a certain degree. Sorry, Chizzy, not necessarily from three. Not necessarily others, but he's reliant on the system. He needs the system yeah. to keep the ball moving. He needs to run around and yes, be off ball exactly. sometimes. Um, whereas you can put the ball in Mark Brogdon's hands and have him make decisions for your second unit. Have him run that, like r- actually run the point guard position, like tra- the way it's traditionally run. And he will find you, find your, your shooters, find your bigs for lobs, um, get layups. He'll score points himself. He'll hit the three. He'll play great defense. And like having that kind of versatility and skill coming off the bench, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that they have two, two guys like that. <laughs> um, but I think the better version of that guy is just is Malcolm Brogdon right now, and I'll I'll give it to him there. Can I just say one more thing for my? I saw my, I saw you um, start partner. smiling. I saw you yeah. start smiling. What have you found? Because <laughs> what what there was a reason. No, no, no. I I saw this a while ago. Like and this was kind of what got me on the Brogdon. Um, like I re- always, I, I um, in fantasy right. I used to tell that man, my a buddy of ours who plays fantasy, we both say to him that Derek White doesn't give you mm-hmm. crazy numbers yep, yep. when he's on the bench. But if he ever becomes a starter, if he ever plays crazy minutes, he will give you insane numbers, like sixties or seventies, because of just just because of how efficient he is. Now, see I've gone on five thirty eight done the and I just typed up the best players in the NBA and he does it on an overall Raptor score we've talked about this and this is what we use for Jokic and the other guys before now though I was just when I went on this I knew already about Jokic and Doncic but I went on this for a reason and this this was even before I knew about the six man of the year award I was just wondering to myself I wonder who was the first name on here that I see that looks like that would look like it doesn't belong here now on 538, on the overall Raptor score, would you want to guess Derek White's ranking versus Malcolm Brogdon's ranking? I have no idea, bro. I have no literally idea. no idea. All right. Perfect. I'm going to tell you this. Derek White is the first bench player that is on the overall. So he's he's the first bench player on the ranking. Okay. What number is he? He's number twenty six. Okay. So he has an offensive ranking of about zero point. I think he's about zero point one or zero point two. He ain't really great, but defensive ranking of about three point nine or three point eight. Mm-hmm. So his impact across kind of levels out to about three point nine to four. Malcolm Brogdon is about thirty six to six. Sorry, he's a sixty three. He has an offensive rating of about three. Defensive rate of minus one point eight. So that's why I said Derek White is my guy because for me, like I like I said, he you use Marcus Smart and that was such a good example because he is the Marcus Smart of the bench. Mm-hmm. Literally, I really think he's the motor of that bench. And while Brogdon can do all this on the offensive end, it's like we're talking about the Luka versus Jokic debate. It's like you have this one guy who can do a lot on the offensive end versus this other guy who does a lot of all these other things all across the board. I'm not saying that they are obviously scaled the level down by like zero point zero 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 five. Stand up, but then the reason why I say I wouldn't go there is because Luca and and Jokic, you can compare offensive impact. I don't think you can compare 
offensive impact of, Fair of, enough. of, of these Fair two. enough, yes. And I think that, I think for me, I just, I think I, I value, um, value Brogdon's offense, like, just heavier. Just because I don't think they need his offense though. I don't think Boston no, needs I think more offense. Yeah, but, no, 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 I think that bench they, they, definitely. Because here's the thing: last few years, the like the knock against this, this Celtics team has been yes, they have shooters, they have bigs, they have, but then they didn't have a point guard that could run a team, especially once those star players took to the bench. Which is why they tried with Kyrie, they tried with Kemba, um, they kept bringing in like a bunch of different guards to try to see who can fill that position. And Brogdon That's is true. that guy that like he fits it perfectly. That is very true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. If he goes, because you, you know what, I have to take back what I said. They don't need a. They don't need more defense. I mean, they have Time Lord coming exactly, off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. They got um. Sometimes you got Marcus Smart even coming off the Grant bench. Williams. Um, you got this. Why, why am I blanking right Grant now? Williams. But they have a Grant few. Williams. Grant Williams is going to do the best yeah. he can on defense. He's not the best, but he will give you a lot of effort. Yeah. You got a lot of effort guys coming off that bench, but they don't necessarily have another playmaker. Playmaker outside of. Tatum, Smart, and Brown. Yeah. So the fact that Brogdon comes in to be that guy, um, yeah, I think that that would that that even though Derek White's impact is still more on this ranking, I think to Boston, you are right. Yeah, Brogdon would be the more important player. So yeah, yeah, y- y- y'all want me over? See, see, I can be a reasonable guy. I can be reasonable. <laughs> as long as Shea's not involved, you just huh? gotta give me the facts. As long as yeah. Shea's not involved. As long as Shay's not don't fuck him. Are you fucking dumb? Are you fucking dumb? Do you want to go again? Because no, it sounds like you want to go. Have time to go again. Look at We're like, this. Wait, this, um, we might have to split this into two episodes the way this is going. Nah, let the they gonna no, hear they gonna everything. Hear let them listen to it. Facts. This is the mid-season MVP award. Stick around, dickhead. Motherfucker. Right. And then f- final award. I feel like this one is like sort of in the bag, but we'll ask it anyways. Who is the rookie of the year? Vino. I mean, it's between two guys, isn't it? It's between Paolo Banchero and Benedict Madurin. Um Banchero's got the better stats, but Madurin's team is actually half decent and they're not, like, clapping ass cheeks. So, um, yeah, but it's not because of him, though. So. It's not because of him, though. So, at the end of the day, you got to give it... In Rookie of the Year, team success matters much less. It's just sort of about the level you're playing It doesn't at. matter at all. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. So, because of that, even though the fact that they're complete fucking trash... Uh, of the Orlando Magic, Paolo Banchero with his 21-7-5. I wouldn't have given it to him earlier in the season when he was sub-40% from the field, but he's pulled his percentage up to 44 now, and that's acceptable to me. So, rookie of the year, Paolo Banchero. Noble, you want to add anything? That nigga's hair is fly as fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not the braids. But the, the the you know the little mushroom puff he got he got mm. on when he be rocking it mm, mm. the Kate Cunningham joy that's what I call it yeah yeah I fucks with that yeah like I feel like this 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 award is kind of in the bag unless um unless some by some miracle um, um Benedict can, can except that guy has an eighty point game bro yeah, it's, like it's, it's it's in the bag it's tough to to see um, Paolo not winning this award um, yeah both mid season and at the end of the season yep yep yep, um, yep yep so let's move on to the games for this week uh, you, we didn't talk about the games exactly. from last week well, I mean like well games games from last week why is this guy so well, why is the, the guy so excited did happen I, this week. I don't like that the, the games huh? did happen this week okay sure, oh, sure, okay. sure. my bad my bad okay. our bad let's go <laughs> yeah so um. This we had uh, obviously picked five games as usual. Um, our guys had made their predictions. 
Um, <laughs> the, the five games that we had picked out were Cavs versus Suns, Knicks versus Bucks, Cavs versus Jazz, Knicks versus Pacers, and Celtics versus Nets. Um, in the Cavs versus Suns, you both picked the Cavs and you were both right. In the Knicks versus Bucks, Noble, you picked the Bucks, Vino, you picked the Knicks. The Bucks won that game. It was a tight game. Oh, it was a tight wow. game. It was a tight game. 2 1. It was a tight game. Um, and then next game was Cavs versus Jazz. You both picked the Cavs. Um, the Cavs lost, and that so it's still two one. <laughs> the next game, Knicks versus Pacers. Um, Noble, you picked the Pacers. Vino, you picked the Knicks. The Knicks won that game, and it's tied two games apiece. The final game of the series: Celtics versus Nets. Noble, you picked the Nets. Vino, you picked the Celtics. The Celtics won that game. Vino won. This was fucking before KD got injured, bro. <laughs> I mean, I mean, KD got injured before the game. What do you want? What the fuck do you want me to do? No wonder this guy was so excited. So, so Vino, Vino is currently flexing into the camera right now. In case you're you're listening, um, and yeah, um, New York, baby, the motherland. We've got five more games picked this week. And just, just for the record, um, now Vino is currently up in total um, for this, for season four to three. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. going into this week, Nobs, you have a chance to tie. Vino, you have a chance to go up. You have a chance to claw it back, Noble, from that position of loss the way, where you're in. You can claw it back. Maybe you can reach my level, you know. You should have bet on the Knicks a bit more. You should have bet on the Knicks oh, a bit God, more. I'm pissed. I'm shaking, bro. I'm shaking right now. That's all right, bro. Oh, I'm so pissed. If you're shaking oh, now, by the end oh of the season, God. you're going to be having a seizure, bro. Trust me. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. He, he running his mouth now. Oh, oh yeah. Boy. See, this is, this is why you don't give... This is not why you don't give stupid may, people guns. May I just, may I just say, may I just say, did did I not start this season zero and two? I swear I started this zero and two, zero and two. Oh, so noble since since you started running your mouth, yeah, I've been four and one. Is that what we're saying? Is that what we're saying, you little bum? Yeah, you bum, you bum. <laughs> <laughs> well, he this moment, okay. Okay, enjoy this. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you should better. It's better for you if you keep this recording for yourself and play it to yourself so you can sleep at night. Because I promise you, you're not gonna be here again. Bro, enjoy I just it. look at the Google Drive where I where I'm up up four three yeah, and then I fall right asleep, bro. I fall right asleep. Okay. Okay. Oh, and okay. that fantasy matchup you, where I whooped your ass as well. Do you remember that? You stay you mm. stay taking L's to me this year, Noble man. Just I'm just saying. Mm. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh man. Hey, cheesy! Please run the goddamn games, bro. For the games this week, Vino, seeing as you won last week, I'll give you the first pick in the Pelicans versus the Cavs. Oh, thank you. In Cleveland. Oh, in Cleveland. Okay, I thought. Okay, okay, okay. That's an interesting one. I'm gonna go there. Tough one, but I'm gonna go with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Nope. Who do you got? Pelicans versus Cavs. The Cavs do. Alright. He's just scared. No, he he wants to go with the same things as me because he knows I'm going to be right. I don't blame Utah you, bro. Versus, <laughs> Utah versus the T-Wolves knows who you got in uh, Minnesota. I'm a, <clears throat> I think I'm going to go with the T-Wolves on this one. This, this I think... 
it's gonna be a t- it's two shitty teams right now. Um, but I think um, that's the point, baby. I think Utah is trying to One blow up their team, whereas Minnesota is trying to prove that they have value in their team. So, yeah, I'll give this one to Minnesota. Can I just say, Minnesota with their bummy-ass, COVID-having-ass center are doing a very bad job of proving that they have value in this team. But regardless of that, I'm going to go for the Utah Jazz uh, on this matchup. Cat is soft, and that whole team needs blowing up. Let's go to the next game. First of all, Cat is even playing, bro. What are you doing? He's soft, bro. That's the even when he comes back, bro. They're not doing shit. They're not doing oh, shit man. as this unit. They need blowing up, bro. I'm telling you. I said it from the start of the season. Anyway, next game. But I said they need blowing up. Yo, don't go, don't get the FBI fucking on my <laughs> shit, bro. <laughs> I don't mean with uh, TNT or C4 or not any other kind of explosive. Like they need to to break. The okay, team what you're not gonna do is stand listed explosives <laughs> on this podcast, bro. I, I don't mean that we're Can gonna you? put a claymore under the. Under, let me know. Oh my. <laughs> All right, next game. Next game is the Kings versus the Lakers in LA. Vin, who you got? The Sacramento Kings are going to blow these these Lakers ass out of the fucking water, bro. You ain't gonna know what hit you. <laughs> Wait, I understand, Chizzy. Did you put that in there thinking there was a competition? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> can I just mention? Can I just mention to the, to the to the listeners out there? Yeah, currently, as it stands, the Lakers are thirteenth and the Kings are fourth. And he's put this okay. game in. Yeah, he's put this game in. Really, I don't see really hoping, you know. He must know something really we don't. Hoping, you know, my friends, yeah, they're going to pick my team. They're going to pick my team. <laughs> you know what's funny? When you're both wrong about this, it's going to be like... Oh, <laughs> oh look at him. Look at him. He was... <laughs> Jeez, it's okay. We believe in you, bro. Not in and this, but we believe to, in you. That's the beauty of this. You don't have to. Okay, okay, but we don't. That's just just so we know we're both choosing the Kings. We are All right. Just so there's full clarity in that game one. Is the Knicks versus Hawks? <laughs> no, it's who you got? Oh, so you've just put me in a fucking. I, I don't like this. You put me in a <laughs> shitty position. I don't like this at all. You know Trey always balls out when he sees that. When, when he sees, I could never. I can never bet for the Knicks. So even though I feel like this is going to be an L, I don't. Principles have to mean something. I would rather go two games down than <laughs> fucking vote for the Knicks. <laughs> I'm going Hawks. I'm going Hawks. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Knicks in this one. Figured I already wrote that down for you. No, but you're um, wild, bro. You're wild. You've just thrown the week over over pure hate. This is this is I will this like is, I this said. is the kind of feelings that racism stem from, you know. Just pure unfounded hatred. That's what you're doing to the Knicks right now. That's okay. Alright. That's okay. And then the That's final okay. I need to game, find me. I... The final game of the week. Warriors versus Cavs in Cleveland. Vinu. I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors. I love that. I'm going to go with Cleveland. I don't think the Warriors are going to suddenly become a great away team. And it's probably not going to happen when they're playing Steph, um, these boys in Cleveland where they're motivated as fuck. So thank you. I'm going to grab the Cleveland. 
Cavaliers on that one. That boy Donovan, he gonna do his thing. Perfect. There are three games that separate the both of you. So we will be back next week to see who who wins the week and and what the score. It'll be two one. Huh? I'll tell you right now, the score gonna be two one. And the one game you lose, I assume, is the what the you think that the Hawks are gonna lose. Hey yo, like I said, I'd rather go fucking two games down than vote. So if if you try, this is how I know if you're trying to. If you're, this is how I know what side you're trying to be on with the games that you be given. If I see you give me another Knicks versus a shitty team, yeah, I know what's going on this. Hey yo, y'all. Hey yo, listen, yeah, listen. We're going to keep He's trying to put down least, a black man. At least one one Knicks game a week, and then we put in one Hawks game to make sure that uh, Vidu picks against them. It's, it's, it's how, it's how that this thing go. goes. That can go. That can go. I'm never going to pick the Hawks. Unless unless it's Hawks versus Charlotte or some shit, I'm never going to pick the Hawks. Actually, I think Charlotte have enough to take them, you know. Anyway. Uh, I, I, the crazy I, thing is, I would actually not pick OKC. Like, if someone was, if a shit, if a good team was playing OKC, I, I could pick against OKC. But I would never, ever in my lifetime pick the Knicks. <laughs> I don't care if they're up 60 points and the man is telling me bets. I'll put 50 pounds on the other team to win. So what this guy is basically claiming on, on live radio <laughs> waves, yeah, on, on, the, on the internet, is that he is clinically insane. Yeah, is he, what you're saying. You are hate. out of your mind. You're out of your mind. <laughs> so that means I can be a Knicks fan. Let's go. <laughs> you see these dogs in your front yard? There's no upstairs, I'm going hard. Ding dong. (coughs) We'll be back next week to with with the outcome of these games to see who's who's up in the in the standings. And yeah, until then, take care of yourselves and uh, be be good parents to your children.